Hello, FPL managers. Welcome to the FPL Optimized Podcast. This is episode number 66. And as we are in an international break this week, it will be a special edition with a special guest. I am Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Sertop, the data scientist. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. Data or grass or data and grass? That's the question. As mentioned, we invited a guest for today's pod. And after we had the FPL general in a previous pod representing a bit more the grass mm-hmm. side of things, today Sirtop wanted to strike back with an analytics-oriented manager. So Sirtop, please tell us, who did you invite? Yeah, today we are hosting Luke Williams. Uh, it is this underscore FPL on Twitter or X. Well, he needs no introduction at all, but let me give it a try. Uh, Luke is a man of many talents, already a legend in FPL, but actually his main fantasy game is Sky, uh, as far mm-hmm. as I know. He has been playing FPL for about 16 years. I was shocked when I checked his <laughs> historical records uh, since the 2007-2008 season. And he has an interesting journey. He's having a great season so far in FPL at 30k overall rank. And oh, wow. in Sky, I think he's in top 100, if I remember correctly. 27 was the last, I remember. Um, yeah. He's an analytics-focused manager, uh, so that we can balance the grass side of things, as you mentioned. <laughs> but he's in, he isn't also afraid to go against the models as far as i can tell like usually analytics players have a template but sometimes luke is outside of that template uh he's very active in the community in our discord channel too and analytics discord also on twitter mm-hmm. welcome to the show luke and how are you doing today i'm doing great thanks sir thanks a lot for having me on um yeah big shoes to step into following the general i actually uh <laughs> I did a podcast with him once on the FPL show. I think the first ever time I did that. So me and him were on the, were on that a few many years ago. So I met him in person. Yeah. And he's, he's a lovely guy. So yeah, I listened to that episode and that was great. And, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, cool. awesome. And uh, do you also mind introducing yourself briefly? Not sure I, my intro was good enough to cover everything. Um, I thought it was fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you kind of summed it up. I... Um, I've played for a long time, uh, ever since school, to be honest. Uh, the reason FPL only shows since 2007, 2008 was that's the first time I kind of found FPL. I don't even remember that season because if you check my history, I think there's a four-year gap where I didn't play again. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even remember what that was. I think that was me just searching for it, logging in, and I remember being very confused by the game and <laughs> just logging back out again um, pretty much because I played other games. But, yeah, I mean, I can go into how I got into sort of working with, with scout and, and fantasy football, if, if you'd like, I can, I can do that. Um, I think my journey is probably pretty similar to most people, you know, just playing with mates. Like I said, it started at school, like playing with teachers um, and the games were all very different back then. Like I'd have to, I can't remember what they were, but sun, it would be like phoning it in. You do, you probably heard this before. If you've ever listened to any like older players play the game, sometimes it'd have to be via post to make transfers. Mm. Um, sometimes you even okay. have to pay money in some games to make transfers. Um, asking your mum to like spend money on your direct <laughs> debit card. Um, eventually, like my friends, kind of just ran with whatever. It was like a guy who ran like a main a main mini league for my school friends, and he would move with whatever game he wanted. So one year it would be like Daily Mail, then Telegraph. Eventually, it ended up with Sky, and that's how I ended up playing that quite seriously. Um, I can remember looking 
online for tips because I was doing well in Sky and I wanted to get better. And that's like me all over. I'm kind of all or nothing kind of person. So I really wanted to spend a lot of time on it. Looking up and finding Scout. Um, I can remember going on there and again, everything was just FPL orientated rather than Sky. Yeah. Like, nothing yeah. made sense at all. Like all the prices were different, the player positions, but because it's the only community I could find, I kind of just got a little bit involved in it and created a team. Um, again, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I can remember one year Sky was being promoted by Scout. They kind of had a deal with them and I started writing a few tips for Sky because it was like a few niche players. And um, Mark must have noticed because he kind of reached out to me and said, do I, do I want to do content for them? Mm. Um, so yeah, I started writing like a weekly article for Scout on Sky. Um, and about that time, I don't know how much you guys have ever seen before. There used to be a TV show um, on Sky with Fenners and Merce, so Paul Merson and a guy called Fenners. And they, oh, okay. the content for fan wasn't really fantasy football oriented. It was more like banter and stories, but occasionally mm -hmm. they, it was under the guise of a fantasy football show. And um, there was like a secret scout segment right at the end where it's like, keep it under your hat. These are the players you want to get. Now, I was actually that secret scout, so I would send in my picks and my players oh. for that TV show. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it I would send incredible. That. Yeah, Mark sorted that out for me. And then that's kind of like where it went from there because um, I did really well that season in Sky. I came fourth um, and I, I started to take FPL a bit more seriously because it's almost like trying to impress your new boss, right? I was working for Scout and they all played FPL. So I thought uh, I better do good in the mini league. And it's the first time I'd ever been in the mini league. So um, yeah, I finished 580th that year in FPL as well. Um, and... Wow. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to top that. Um, and uh, it was a lot easier back then, of course. There was a lot less people playing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so and then, impressive. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll hold that. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> my, my star achievement, without a doubt. Um, so, yeah, I started taking it more seriously uh, at that point, a little bit at least. And then um, I started getting given lots of little different pieces to do for Scout because the Sky partnership they had, uh, kind of stopped and because mm -hmm. I wasn't really like a big name in FPL I still wanted to do bits and pieces in fantasy so Mark actually sorted to me and I think I mentioned to you set out before that um, I worked at Stockley Park for a little while as well mm -hmm. um, on alternate weekends so um, what I would do there is I'd uh it's kind of weird thinking about it now but I'd be in like a room in Stockley Park and it'd be full of journalists and they don't really know that much about FPL some of them or just football in general although they're just really good writers I guess and I'd have all the games going on and I'd basically be the person who would validate goals or assists for FPL. So I would watch the game and say, yeah, that mm -hmm. player has scored and that is an assist for Joel Ward. And it would be me. I don't know whether how much of an influence, whether it's FPL were taking it directly for me, but certainly the rumoured journalists would look to us to verify that that's exactly what mm. happened. Wow. Yeah. So I, I was doing that for a while. I can remember making a mistake and giving an assist to Joel Ward when it wasn't one and that caused catastrophe, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. Can you maybe just explain what Stockley Park is for people who might not know, like me? So that now is where they do, uh, you know, when they go for like VAR and stuff and they go to right. people that are away from the okay. pitch. That's where they do the goal accreditations and everything. And oh, like excellent. Premier League okay. stuff. So, yeah. yeah, that's where I was. I wasn't in that room where they were doing like the goal accreditation. It was like a separate room. Mm -hmm. uh, where all the right. were. Okay. And then I did that for a while and then um, I stopped doing that and I ended up working for BT Score Zone, which I think they still, maybe it's stopped now, but it's essentially the same as Soccer Saturday, Gillette with Jeff Stelling, uh, but BT's version of that. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So that was really, really cool to be fair, because again, it was alternate weekends, but 
I would go to the green room and I would be sat in the green room, which they would call the room before all the people went out, all the pundits and everything. And I would literally be sat next to like Michael Owen, um, wow. Robbie Savage, Harry Redknapp, Chris Sutton, uh, like all famous stars just sat right around me, which was really, really strange. Um, <laughs> like I remember going into the toilet and bumping into Harry Redknapp while he's taking a piss. And it's just like, <laughs> it's so he talk. yeah, he started talking to me straight away. That's really <laughs> awkward anyway, just in generally. But when it's Harry Redknapp, it made it even worse. Um, yeah, my role there was really, I was sat in a room where, um, kind of like, uh, if you could imagine like, um, a studio, I guess with knobs and dials and TVs everywhere, like behind them and behind me would be the actual studio where they all were. And, um, I'd be mic'd up to Jules Breach. who was the, the pre- presenter and I would right. feed her stats through Scout and Ragabody. So for example, I don't know, say Kane scored, I'll be like 300, 300,000 people triple captain Kane this week because I would have that mm-hmm. data in front of me and I could read it through. Right. To- and then she would say it on the on the actual show. But on top of that, I would actually have the guy next to me quite often who um, had like the access to the FPL portal, which is like the website that the media get to upload uh, team lineups like 15 minutes before, yeah. uh, 15 minutes before the hour, because at that time, FPL was an hour deadline. So I would have quite often access to all the lineups before the deadline. Oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah. It's a big so you were one of those accounts uh, <laughs> leaking lineups or not? No, no, I, I, I never did that. But um, I, I guess Rockstar, you guys played when Rockstar was able to do that, right? Did, that's where he was getting access to, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I heard about it a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when I say direct access, because I'm there for a job, I can't really go to the guy. Can you just tell me the lineup, please? It would just be an earshot and I'd hear him sure. reading out the team because then the media team would prepare that for a graphic, right? For the, mm. for the lineup, there would be an hour. Again, I can remember one time when Hazard was got benched when no one thought he was going to get benched and it was crazy to think he was. He was most people's captain. And um, I took him out for a minus four, like right there and then about 10 minutes before deadline. And um, yeah, he was benched. Everyone went crazy. He came on and scored a goal and the player I got in good did nothing. And on top of that, some very clever people could work out when I'd taken the player out and it made no sense. So then they were able to look at my team and say, why has he done this? Like, and then I got in trouble. So I was like, Uh, all right. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. I've been talking a lot, but yeah, so I I got involved in, in all that sort of stuff. And I I guess recently that's kind of all all stopped. I've got a full-time job. I can't do that stuff on the weekend. Like um, I'm not able to do that anymore, but um, yeah, I kind of decided in the recent years to, to pick up analytics and try and take FPL more seriously because for a number of years, I kind of got a bit disillusioned with it, to be honest. I was just, um, you know, I felt like it was not really a winnable game. Mm-hmm. I f- and obviously with Sky, I feel like it probably is a little bit and there's obviously a, um, a prize at the end of it. And I kind of mm-hmm. just had fun with it, to be honest. I was just messing about. I played the game for a long time and it's only in recent years I thought, do you know what? I actually want to try to actually play this game properly because it's quite embarrassing getting on podcasts and talking and you haven't been doing well for a number of years. And that's when I discovered you guys and analytics. I think out one of your posts on Twitter really led me to sort of look at it and think, hang on a minute, these guys might know what they're talking about. In fact, I can remember how I fully got engaged was I saw a post about, I don't know if you can remember about three years ago, there was like a week where you could captain either Trossard or Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, so I captained Trossard and oh. he scored like a brace and Kane did nothing. And the whole conversation was like around effective ownership. Like, why have you done that? And obviously, even though I've come out on the winning side of that, there was a lot of people arguing with me saying, well, no, really, you should have Captain Kane. That was mad. 
And I was finding myself arguing and then thinking, hang on a minute, these guys actually have a pretty good point here. Like, what's, what's, what's going on? Even though I ended up, up up on this, they're making good points. And then I started looking into it, and that's where I, I sort of gravitated towards uh, analytics over the last few years. Yeah, I will ask more questions about that. But uh, even before we go there, um, I was actually sending some messages to some people who know you about what they would like to say about you in a sentence or two and receive some following some messages that I would like to read to you. Oh, nice. Uh, the first one is Sam, <laughs> obviously your co-host uh, from Inspector Goals podcast. And he said, Luke is extremely good at making good FBL decisions based purely on logic, great at avoiding narratives, but somehow claims I am more, I am a more boring manager than him. He is perceived to be a risk taker, but those risks tend to be on player minutes rather than effective ownership. Considering he is so good at predicting lineups, those risks are often not risks at all. He's a great friend. Even though we have only met once in person, shockingly started inspected goals together was his idea, not mine. He knows talent when he sees it. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy Martin said, one of the best fantasy managers and blogs around, one of the few minds that's worth listening to, and he's Champman FPL GOAT. He said, and the third person is as of uh, FPL Black Box podcast. And he said, <laughs> this is very interesting. He said, Luke and I used to laugh at people for talking about projected points. And now he has uh. turned to the analytics side and beats me comfortably <laughs> every season. This, it is the greatest betrayal in FPL. And he also said he loves you. <laughs> oh, those are like some of the kindest things people have ever said about this is making my life worth living thank you guys that was nice yeah, <laughs> yeah nice well done third up <laughs> yeah and obviously like we know you uh for your well, sky uh success and also in fbl you are very active uh i just talked about your podcast inspected goals mm. and it is one of the few uh, analytics focused fbl podcasts around so uh, would you like to also give us a brief uh, introduction about your podcast and how did you start? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm sure um, quite a lot of the would be similar audiences, I guess, that would listen to yours might listen to ours. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we're, we're, we're nowhere near on Sertap's level. We're essentially a, a group of managers who are um, trying to embrace analytics and, and um, help it or use it to, to help us make better decisions. So that's kind of the premise of the podcast. And it's just um, at, inspe at Inspected Goals on Twitter and on YouTube. And it's myself, uh, Sam, like you mentioned, at FPL Sports Science. Uh, we've also mm -hmm. got uh, Seb Wessel from from Scout, another very good analytical manager. And um, yeah. we've got Ben Krellin, who's trying to get more into that side. And, and I think everyone will probably know him as the fixture guru. So, yeah. Definitely. You met with Mark way back then like obviously for sky but did he help you in any way about fpl back then did you get any tips from him because he was always a good player absolutely i mean um like i say it's, well, the first season when i was in the league was the first time i was actually ever in a mini league and i wanted to learn how the, the game was played i guess and, and get more involved in that community and stuff mm -hmm. and yeah i don't think there's any doubt that mark is is the goat as he's known and uh, like he created 
the biggest website that everyone used, uh, certainly initially. And like you say, on top of that, he's he's up there with the greatest managers of all time. So I'd be stupid not to listen to what he was saying and what he was doing. So yeah, he helped me pretty much learn the game, like what to do. Mm-hmm. And I followed him and I, I used to watch all the pods with him. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, he helped me immeasurably, at, um, certainly at the beginning. And I owe a lot of what I've had, all those things I listed that I've done have basically been through meeting Mark. So yeah, I owe a lot of it to Mark without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Excellent. Yeah, and I understood from Surtab as well that, uh, and I, he mentioned it earlier that, or you mentioned it, that you didn't play for a few years. Um, I think you, did you get a bit bored or something like that? But what was the reason to come back? And then since then, did you change anything? <laughs> well, um, no, the, the one in 2007 and 2008, I can't even remember ever logging in. I think that was during uh, that period where my friend was moving games. Maybe we did one year on FPL or maybe I just found it myself logged in and didn't understand and didn't come back. And it's only in 2011-12 when I joined up with Scout the Sky that I actually signed up for the game and I've played every year since. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's only, I would say, in the last three years, again, where I've started taking it a little bit seriously. I mean, everyone can point to their record right and go, oh, okay, forget those years I wasn't playing properly. And that's not what, <laughs> that, that's not what, that's what I say about all my seasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's definitely not the aim. But um, yeah, I, I would say anyone who's sort of my age and got kids and full-time job, there's going to be seasons and times where you've had more attention on the game than others. And I didn't really have yeah. as much. Um, in those years, but it's an okay. easy excuse to make. <laughs> All right, got it. Yeah, and I think the other thing you're really known for, and, and Sir Tab already mentioned it briefly, is your Manchester City predictions. Um, so where did that come from? Yeah, that kind of happened by accident, to be honest, and it, it coincided with me picking up the analytical thing about sort of three years ago. I just remember I've always liked puzzles and having trying to keep myself some focus on the game. And like I said, because I didn't think it was particularly winnable. Mm. Um, I wanted to give myself a a reason to carry on playing and taking it seriously. And I just remember talking to someone at work, like a casual manager. And I think maybe I'm mixing the timing up in my head, but Man City Mm -hmm. had maybe just won the league by like 15 points, like clearly the best side. And um, not only do I have... Um, engaged FPL managers and my friends saying like you can't pick Man City but then I had casual managers like saying oh you uh, I was like yeah we'll pick Man City for next season he's like well I'm not going to touch any Man City because you can't say who's going to start and like that just resonated with me like they've got Aguero and like David Silva and like world-class players at that time as well and I was just like Mm. I'm not happy with that like there must be some method in this madness maybe we Mm. can pick them and right. although that maybe never led to the to that actually being the solution, we can. That's just where it kind of came from. I thought, well, let me try and work this puzzle out and see if there is any method behind the madness. Interesting, because it sounds like not much changed since then, right? In terms of predicting uh, the lineups, <laughs> it's it's still quite difficult. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely say that. Um, I, I guess the only thing that I I took from it very very early on is that. Um, the old way of work that most people had in the head, and I guess the historical version of it was like, if a player plays in midweek, then he's probably right. not going to play at the weekend or vice versa. Right. And it'd be very much like rest, play, rest, play kind of situation. And maybe it was like that in the past and some for some teams, but people were going very wrong with that when it came to Peppermancy mm-hmm. and it never went like that. So right. it was probably realizing that it was more a tactical 
reason for, for picking those guys. And I think that's kind of mainstream now. Like if you listen to anyone on content or anything, they'll they'll often make the tactical case for that player or why they think that player will play. And mm-hmm. um, it's not so much, I guess, starts midweeks who doesn't. Like you still have that. You still see that. And they might be right. Yeah. But um, I think it's, we're more open to it now, I guess, that it could be that reason. Yeah. And are you also a Man City supporter then? Or... No, no. Which team do you support? So this is like the strange thing, and that's why I don't mention it. But uh, I, as a kid, I supported Man United. Um, okay. Yeah. But you don't really want to talk about that in football circles because that will get you probably attacked. Um, <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't really talk about that. But I, I guess the reason for that was, um, I, I think I mentioned to you before where I lived, I live in Bedford. And in Bedford, there's no good big teams around us. Like with the closest team to us we have was Rushton and Diamonds, and they, they don't even oh. exist anymore. Then we had like Luton and Peterborough, which are like League Two and stuff. So it's normal in my area that everyone at school just just picked like one of the big teams. Like everyone supports Man United, Liverpool. We have no yeah. good teams close. So mm. my best friends supported Man United. I support started supporting them. But as I grew up and I'm like four hours away from the stadium, I've only been like five times. It's like I can't claim to be a fan. So I just kind of okay. FPL took over. All right. Okay. Good to know. So regarding the Man City predictions you kind of uh, talked about it a little bit but um, about the secrets to predicting him I mean obviously you said it is not like uh, play rest play rest rotation it's more tactical decisions but those decisions or like tactics have they been evolved during the time you have followed Man City or like is there a like natural progress of things um, yeah I think Pep's tactical um teams are very much based on the players that he's got available to him at the time um mm. and they have changed a lot over the years um i wouldn't say they've changed and only gone in one direction sometimes these things have come in cycles and mm-hmm. it depends how far you want to go back but if you're looking at like say barcelona when he was with them and then you look at bayern a number of the things that he does now he's done at those those teams before and it's kind of like just finding solutions and i think we can all think of periods even though Man City have been fantastic with Pep over these years, there's been periods where they haven't been as good and he's just decided to change the make the setup of the team for whatever reason for a little while and, and find solutions. So I would never say like the way he's playing at the moment is the definite, but it's very much mm-hmm. like it's, uh, um, the players he's got available. And right now with Haaland, it's obviously a very big change to then, you know, having Foden as a false nine, right? So you can't play in the same way. So it's that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, and I think that's also the strength probably of, of Pep that he keeps evolving also as a manager. Because to your point, I think the season before they bought Haaland, they didn't really have a, a real not, a number nine, right? So they were playing mm-hmm. a different system and then they bought Haaland. And then now, of course, they changed everything because, yeah, of course, you should benefit from that. And maybe a bit the same now with Doku, like different player than Grealish. I guess they wanted a bit more creativity. Yeah, I, I think that's similar to, um, I mean, he's had players like, maybe not exactly like Doku, but players of that ilk on the wing that uh, are happy to take people on. You know, we've had like yeah. Sane um, in the past, Sterling, right. and he's had yeah. people like Costa at Bayern Munich and, and other people. So it's just about, again, using different players for different teams. I don't know this to yeah. be facts, by the way. Obviously, this is the thing I can't fact check. It's not like I can ask Beth and say, is this what you're thinking? No. This, is, this is just what I believe, right? And I could be wrong, right. but... Um, yeah. I think having having Docos Docu sorry is um is a weapon is very useful in certain games and that's why yeah. he would want it. Yeah. 
Yeah, but you have a good track record, right? And predicting the lineup. So clearly you uh, you seem to have figured it out a bit. It seems. Uh, yeah, maybe. But I guess it's similar to expected data, right? Just because the outcome says I did well, I don't know whether I made the right process to get there, like for sure. No, Unless okay. I can ask the guy. Yeah. But yeah, we've only yeah. got that to go on. So. Yeah. Hey, and uh, as I'm Dutch, I have a question about uh, Nathan Ake. Because personally, I thought, you know, he would be a key player by now, uh, starting every game. But so far this season... I think for me at least his minutes have been disappointing. So how do you think uh, he's being looked at by Pep or within City? Yeah, to be honest, I'm a big fan of of Ake as well, and I think he's been a little bit harshly treated. I actually think, and Pep's mentioned it a few times, that Ake um, almost surprised him at how good he got very quickly in a short period of time and how well he performed, and he didn't really think that that would be the case. the issue they've had is like they haven't had since the Mendy situation. They haven't really had a left back. Like they, when Mendy situation happened, Cancelo was never a left back. He was a right back to begin with, and they had to have him there. And Ake was obviously a centre back, and then he kind of mm-hmm. could play left back as well. Um, and they've evolved this tactic where they don't really they kind of use this hybrid centre back and left back. And mm-hmm. he needs cover for that position, right? Laporte also fell out of favour, and then he had to leave. So. Ake's, I mean, everyone knows where Gvardiol is obviously one of the world's best talents, um, young player, and he's Mm. brought him in and um, he's probably a little bit better on the ball in Pep's mind. And that's generally if you're the better team who's going to be dominating the ball, you want the player who's best on the ball most of the time. Um, I think that is harsh to Ake though, because I think he is actually pretty good on the ball. I think he's better than Pep even gives him credit for, to be honest. Mm. Um, But yeah, I guess it's just that he's unfortunate he's come up against probably one of the, the world's leading players in his position um, who's, who's got more favourable matchups generally and he's also quite injury prone Ake every time he gets a run yeah. and looks like he's good he ends up getting a knock and it knocks him out of the team for a while so it's yeah. unfortunate that's true yeah okay and I have a question so obviously with this city well, you mentioned that the, the reason why you started doing this the predictions was because you wanted to well, utilise city players uh, a little bit better and did it change how you play FPL? I was checking your season and this season I think you owned uh, Alvarez, Haaland obviously and Foden from Man City but does it usually change how you play the game? Yeah, it's quite hard. It's quite tricky to answer that because, like I say, it co- coincided with me picking up analytics and generally analytical managers will be quite um, averse to taking risks on players like that mm-hmm. so it's, it's hard to say because it it's like balancing those two situations. Like if I'm overly, what I have learned is like through the predictions is even if I'm really confident on that player's minutes and I think I'm confident enough to pick that player, I can still be wrong, right? It opens up that that side that even if I guess someone in my position who spends a lot of time of it can be wrong, then the, it's still a, a big risk to do so. Um, but I would say this season, the fact that De Bruyne was out, I was very, very confident that Alvarez would take that position mm-hmm. and... Um, would stay in that team as long as he performed, which is always the thing with Pep. So I I did do that early. I think that was game week three because, I mean, if De Bruyne was out injured from the start, it would have been from the start, but De Bruyne actually played, I think, game week one and then got injured in game week one and, and was out. So yeah. um, it wasn't an easy fix just to, to get Alvarez in, but I got him in as soon as I possibly could. So I guess that has helped because that belief mm. led me to get him early. Um, of course, in another universe, I do that and I'm just totally wrong and it was a bad thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I guess it has helped. Okay, cool. 
Hey, and if you would uh, be looking for a new challenge, would there be any any manager or any team you would pick now to to predict? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Deserby is obviously the the yeah. name that comes to mind straight away. Because... <laughs> the thing I'll say on that though, and I, I haven't given it the time attention yet to to know this for sure, but from my basic understanding of Deserby is it's not really usually a tactical reason and obviously that's mainly the focus for Pep for me like to me Brighton set up the same way in every game it's only very recently he's played with like a back three due to injuries a couple of times and like set up similar to Pep with like a box midfielder the rest of the time he's played um, very much with like wide fullbacks and invite the team on and then break and he's got all the players in the same position so if it's not a tactical case for a player, it seems almost really, really random from the outside. So I yeah. don't know whether I would actually be any good at it or not. And I, I think people are struggling with him like daily. But certainly if I wanted the biggest challenge, he seems like the name to to, yeah. to go to. Yeah. All right. And besides him, who will be your second choice if you, if you do it? I guess Arteta, just because he's like Pep Light. And I think uh, we're seeing now that he's trying to copy... Pep a little bit in the way that he sets up for different teams and he's got a better squad to do so. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe. And let's talk about FPL um, a little bit more. So, we briefly mentioned it, but what's your general approach to FPL? How do you play the game and why do you play the game that way? Um. So I've I've always been I would describe myself I guess as like a long term planner, maybe even to my detriment, um, and that comes a lot from Sky where the prices for players are fixed, so you could plan months weeks in advance in theory mm-hmm. about who you could bring in at a certain point in a certain day. So mm-hmm. I think I still do that now. I did that before focusing heavily on analytics, and I, I still do that now. Where I'll like right now I've got like a team planned out until the end of the season. Like I know that's not how it's going to work, but in my mind I've got that structured plan. I think that helps me to avoid a lot of noise and and react to form too quickly and stuff like that. But at the same time, like I say, it can be a weakness because you can get kind of married to that plan. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. I I don't want to lose that plan. I don't want to break away from it. And then that can that can sometimes cause you to miss opportunities, right? Because generally if a player gets injured um, you know, you have to change that plan or someone's minutes are better and, and, and a value, like say a Simicast becomes available or something, it throws it all out. So I suppose it can be a negative sometimes, but mm-hmm. but definitely a long-term planner and focusing on fixtures. I mean, I've always, I've always done that again from the very beginning. I've never really had that much emphasis on form. It's always been fixtures for me. Like I just always thought a nice start for 10 is, you know, if the, if the bookies odds or, or just generalitis or whatever you want to call it, you have a team right near the top who's really, really good for the world superstars and they're playing a team right near the bottom that are good then. Although football has a hell of a lot of variance and luck involved, I think in general the team at the top beats the team at the bottom more often than not. So that's like mm. the base level of fixtures are really important, and that's what I'll always yeah. use. And then analytics obviously have changed the the way you play the game, and how much effective is it when you make decisions? And um, what was it before? Uh, like in terms of making decisions were you getting uh, impacted or affected by i will say like other podcasts or other people what they're talking about and then it's shifted to analytics um i mean i probably i always have been like a like a, i guess a lone wolf where i like to think that i've made my own choices and not been influenced but i'm not stupid enough to think that that's the case like there's no doubt that people will have influenced me without me even realizing even if it's subconsciously mm-hmm. um 
I've tried not to, to do that, but I'm sure that has happened. I think the, the thing that analytics has helped me with really the most is, is um, I guess samples is a big one. Like I would pay more attention to smaller samples in the past and get very influenced by not necessarily form, but like good numbers over four mm-hmm. or five weeks and think, oh, okay, I've got to get this player in. And sometimes, you know, that might be the truth and it carries on, but I've, I've learned to appreciate longer term data a little bit more um, and not focus so heavily on that short term data. And then also hits, I think, is a massive one for me. Like I say, because I wasn't in any mini leagues that really meant that much to me and I wasn't playing for money or anything compared to Sky, where mm. you have only 40 transfers for the whole season, you've got to manage them really well. And if you run out, that's it. To suddenly have a game where they're like, well, you can have as many transfers as you want. Like, you just have cost you minus four to do it. I was like, okay, I'm just going to take hits to get the players that I want for that week. Mm-hmm. Um, and analytics made me realize, like, how important and valuable those four points are, like, throwing them away all the time just on wins. Like, I already talked about how unpredictable football is. Even if I back myself as the world's greatest football mm-hmm. eye or I think that I, I've got a feeling about this player like to throw four points it and then say that player's pretty much got to then score just to be level and, and brace or get a hat trick like to even make start making points like pretty soon like it, it, it doesn't happen like it doesn't happen that often it can happen but yeah. um, it's probably not wise so I think that's where it's helped me a lot okay and I suppose you also use some solvers sometimes and then when you do I mean do you yeah, how much do you value it? I suppose listening to you and all your background, I suppose you you, you put a lot of your own thought into it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose there's people listening here and you guys maybe are guilty of this where I, I'll, I'll run solves all the time. I'll run it on review. I'll, I'll look at um, FPL Optimize, obviously, Sertap and, and other areas. I don't have access to Mikel's um, thing, but I do see the stuff around occasionally. Yeah. Um, and... I will I will always run the plans and look at the souls, but then I will end up, as usual, kind of tweaking bits and pieces to kind of formulate <laughs> what I want the answer to be, which I know is not probably <laughs> the best way to do it. But I don't think I'll ever get rid of that fact where if the answer comes back to something I'm not particularly keen on, I won't just instantly jump in, right? Um, I'll maybe yeah. look at what other options are available, um, which is probably not the best way to use it, but that's the way I do it. J- Following up on that, uh, you also mentioned that you got Alvarez pretty early on in the season. I think you got some nice uh, points from him too. I think you got a 14-pointer from him, another 9, and also 8 points from Game Week 7. So, about the decision to bring him in, like, did you change his minutes in the data and check if the solver is suggesting to buy him? Or did yeah. you just buy him without even like, checking the solver? No, I mean, I... I, I changed his minutes and then he started to become optimal pretty quickly if you ramped him up. So yeah, I always have to, I can't just do it on a whim. I have to make the solver at least suggest it or be in and around the frame so I can be happy with it now. That's probably the big difference. And he started to appear. I mean, with, with him as well, the fact that he started taking set pieces and penalties and obviously his data in the past, um, he's not played all that many games, right? So um, it's probably not going to be as as accurate as it possibly could be. So I thought maybe it was a little bit low as well. And um yeah, I suppose it kind of worked out that way, but at the same time, I'd say the, the projections were pretty good on him because he actually overperformed quite a lot as well. Um, mm-hmm. Right, so I think there was some luck there. The thing I'll add to that is I actually removed Watkins in order to get Alvarez. So although Alvarez was a great pick, I think over the eight mm-hmm. weeks, my plan was to leave Watkins for eight weeks. And if I'd have done that, he actually would have outscored Alvarez in the end. So it wasn't a good mm-hmm. move to get him. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh-huh. And... Okay, another question on this. Um, 
So obviously, you talk with people like As, who keeps complaining about the projection models, or Mark, who kind of like, who are open to using models, and he talks about those a lot, but they kind of resist changing for the most part. So how do you deal with people like that around you? Because like, you being a really like old player in terms of how many seasons you have played, you should have friends who are just sticking with the old or traditional methods and maybe giving you hell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't really want to talk like necessarily about those individuals. I mean, those guys are like my, they're my friends. They're people I've met in real life many times, been to social occasions with like, I enjoy talking football with them. I enjoy talking fantasy football with them. Mm -hmm. uh, like I enjoy all those things, but I guess it's like real life where, um, you know, even friends you can think of in real life, you won't agree on every single point in life. You might have a different opinion on, I don't know, fruit or a politician or whatever. And I kind of see it that way. Right. So if they have their opinion on it, I'm, I'm fine with that. And I just think that this is the way to go. Um, mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying about resisting change. I do think there was a little bit out there with some people. They have to answer that as that as an individual, right? I can have my opinion mm -hmm. on why I think is. You know, maybe I think it's threatening content. Maybe it's 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 just threatening in general. I I, I don't know, but they'd have to speak for themselves on that, right? I don't want to yeah. say anything that I don't know to be true. So makes sense. All right, cool. And uh, where do you think that analytics and FPL will go from here? Any expectations or thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of wanted to throw this one back to you guys. I, I, my initial thoughts were like, in America, I think fantasy football is a lot more mm -hmm. accepted, right? And it's a lot more prevalent. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've never got involved in any of that, but I wonder if they're further along than us and maybe could answer it better if we were to look. I don't know how much analytics features in American sport, but I guess it would be a good idea to have a look and see what's happening there. Like, yeah. I don't know if you know, but... Yeah, it is quite heavy. I mean, especially American football. Like there, are, there are even magazines uh, publishing some of these projected points. Right. Um, mm. So yeah, it's just incredible how much uh, uh, like content out there just talking about these. There are solvers. There are like several websites that can uh, optimize it. Uh, you know, very similar to FPL review in the nature. Mm. Uh, which is not very common in FPL, at least for now. But it will, I mean, my expectation that it will eventually converge to the same point. Uh, but the main difference is that I think because the football is, as you mentioned, is very being very random, mm. uh, there will be people who are again, like against models, they will go against models and they will get lucky, they will. Uh, get good results and they will claim that oh these methods are not working so i feel like there will be always this kind of skepticism around it but i personally expect more and more people to turn into analytics eventually yeah i think maybe i agree with that At the end of the day i, I think if you only look at analytics has probably only been prevalent as far as i know for probably the last four or five years and it's getting more and more and if you look at all the more analytically minded managers in general. And then you look at the leagues and their results that they're getting compared to the historical um, uh, seen as best managers in the world. I think that there's like a, a turning of the guard almost. They're just consistently right up there. And I think the more the results prove themselves, which we know isn't necessarily a guarantee in, a, in an individual season, I guess more people will start following suit because they'll realize, and it depends what you want from the game, right? If, if, you're, if your end goal is to do as well as you possibly can, rather than any other thing, then I personally think is the way to go. But um, not everyone wants that, right? They want different things from the game. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I think also like even if you're if you don't consider yourself like an analytical manager, mm-hmm. like me, I'm <laughs> well, I turned into one more and more, but I'm still more of a casual manager. But it's it's something you cannot avoid, right? Especially if you're on Twitter and you see all the data that is being shared, then yeah, naturally you will pick up some of the insights. Yeah, I, I think some of the content creators do a, a pretty good job of, I think, yeah. as Sertel mentioned about bridging the gap. Like, yeah. it might be more short term and a little bit more snap and the more XG, but you you, you can't really um, watch like a, one of the really popular uh, YouTubers nowadays without them mentioning sometimes EV, XG and stuff like that. So yeah. they act as a good bridge, I think, uh, between yeah. them both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so... You talked about Sky and then you mentioned that, you know, you found FPL a little bit maybe complicated. So, and so just to brainstorm on this a little bit, um, what changes would you like to see in FPL to make it a better game? Because obviously we keep complaining about the game. I personally do uh, quite a bit, but what would you change in FPL? Uh, so this this question is like I think it's very personal to people because if you're asking me what I would change for my own personal benefit compared to what um, <laughs> the casual audience would want, what the engaged like the answers are going to be very different. Um, for me, my general ethos would be remove as much luck from the game as possible. Like mm. whatever the goal, whatever you can do to do that, and that's very hard in football. Like I think that's been well established, but. Um, I don't necessarily know that this would remove luck. Like you, you might be able to tell me better, but I think removing captain, removing chips, um, cutting it back, which is never, ever going to happen. Um, maybe rolling f- more than two free transfers. I think mm-hmm. if you could roll, there probably would have to be a limit. I don't know what that would be, but maybe say three mm-hmm. or four would probably make it so long-term planning would be rewarded and, and patience. Um, so there's some ideas. I, they're never going to do any of those, but that, that would be nice for me as a purist, and I don't think that would appeal to, to most people. I'd also add the price changes. Because of Sky, they don't have them. Like That can be a good and a bad thing. Like If you misprice someone at the beginning of the game, it does kind of break that player. Like It would be 100% owned like straight from the beginning. But I think maybe having price changes all on the Friday night um, and being... Um, mm. out in the open, you know, and, and being transparent and saying these players are going to go up, these players mm. are going to go down after deadline, um, you know, feel free to make your moves. That Again, that works, I think, for me, and it probably makes the game more skill-based rather than luck-based. But at the same time, like, they're not going to get clicks on their website for the four or five days until that final day, are they? So, again, I just don't see that happening. Like, they want people yeah. visiting their website, don't they? So, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I don't know. Any ideas from you guys? Yeah, I, mean, I wanted to add also Surtop. I have one, but yeah. Surtop, you? you? You go Come ahead. No, no, I think it was actually something suggested on Twitter uh, some weeks ago by someone, uh, and I quite like the idea of uh, changing your captain, so not being allowed to captain the same player uh, every other week. And I think especially now with at the start of the season, uh, we had everybody auto-captaining Haaland that made the game quite boring. I thought that was a nice idea. So then you need to think a bit more about it. Like, okay, when do I want to captain him? And then also make a plan that you can actually captain him that week. Uh, and yeah, having to yeah. choose someone else before. Yeah, I think it was one of the ideas. I was also a vocal about yeah. it. But if you think about it, those kind of a change, that kind of a change will actually benefit analytics players even more. Uh, because you will be able to see like longer horizon and yeah. you can actually ho- optimize you know what's the best week to captain Holland if I 
can right. captain him only once or maybe like twice. Well, you never know, right? Because you would have captained him against Bournemouth and actually that was a wrong <laughs> Well, <laughs> I mean, based on outcome, yeah, it, it might look like yeah. it. But yeah. we are also playing a, a last man standing game uh, where you are just picking, you know, FB, uh, Premier League teams, like whichever you think will uh, win that week. And if your team ties or if they lose their game, you lose one life and there's a total of three lives. And I was just checking at it. Like I tried to do it manually and I it, I found it really difficult. Like, yes, like you can see like who has good fixtures and you can even draw a path, but you don't know if it is the best one until you <clears throat> give it a solver. <laughs> I think it was against okay. the rules, but yeah, I used a solver. And I think making right. the game more complicated is not not in their interest, right? Because there are, I said about it being complicated. It's not a complicated game. It's very simple. I feel it's hard. There are yeah. some complemented, complicated elements like the price changes, but yeah, yeah, but there's they want to make it simple. And I mean, I, I told you about how yeah, I've met up with people from FPL before, so I I do know for a for a fact that they are looking at ways to change player positions hmm. for the future. So maybe that will be something that comes out eventually. So I think if anything is likely to happen. Um, it might be something around player positions and how they can get more players viable options in fantasy football oh, right. at some point. Defensive yeah. midfielders, sounds Yeah, I mean, more just midfielders being forwards and forwards being midfielders and do they create an extra position? And a lot of that's been talked about before, but um, yeah, I think they're looking at what they can do, but at the same time, anything they do has to make it really, really simple. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, th- things like giving... Maybe I don't know, like a bonus or like maybe even extra points to based on other metrics would be useful. I mean, it because mainly right now it's mainly about goals, uh, like whether your player scored a goal or not. But like if your player takes like ten shots without getting a goal, I mean you get the same point, which sounds a little bit Darwin um, Nunes basically. Yeah, Darwin <laughs> Nunes. I want my players to get rewarded if they are more active in attack. Uh, like whether or not they got the result, but yeah, I think people have different ideas on that. Okay, cool. And um, I was wondering, I, I suppose you also watch a lot of football. So did FPL change the way you watch football? But I guess because you're playing FPL for such a long time, maybe you don't remember how you watched it before. Well, that was yeah, you yeah, preempted my answer. That was exactly. Oh, really? I, I can't remember what watching football without having a fantasy interest feels like. To be honest <laughs> okay. with you. So all right, I, I guess I can still remember. Uh, <laughs> One is I'm watching more football, uh, or well, I'm watching different football. I would say different football, before yeah. I would watch a lot of the Dutch league, for example, which now I hardly do. I watch you know almost only Premier League, and I sometimes watch games that yeah usually before I wouldn't watch, <laughs> just because I have a player playing like uh, you know Burnley, Sheffield, or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is also that I think it adds a little bit of stress during games as well, right? Like even if you're a neutral fan, like not supporting any of the teams, if you do have a player playing, like. Recently, we were watching the Spurs-Chelsea game, and because I had son, I was really rooting for Spurs. And my daughter was asking me, like, hey, Dad, why are you actually <laughs> supporting Spurs? I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not supporting Spurs. I just want son to score a goal. So, yeah, you get just more involved, which I guess is the whole purpose of the game as well. Yeah, I'm not sure it's healthy, but I think we probably all do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, we talked about that before. Maybe if we would quit FPL for a season, I think actually that would also be 
more relaxing just to mm. watch a game, you know, without any stress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but anyway, it, it also it, adds a lot of yeah. fun and excitement. Yeah, yeah, it is really weird, though, like watching games that way. I mean, I'm a Liverpool fan. I try to follow or watch like Liverpool's games every week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sometimes like Liverpool scores a goal and my wife, she played FPL, so she knows. <clears throat> she asks me like, did Salah score or was it someone else? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, no, that was Darwin. And she's upset with me <laughs> because <laughs> of it. Like, yes, my team scored a goal, but it's not the player I wanted. So. Yeah, mixed feelings. <clears throat> and for this part, my last question is: Do you have any question about analytics and use of data for FPL to me and Buzz? I'm sure, uh, like I've got loads because, like I say, I'm kind of learning. But I think for me, like probably the main one I would say is how, and it's probably impossible to answer, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway. How far away do you think we are from, say, imagine 20 years' time and what a model would look like compared mm-hmm. to now? Where do you think the biggest advances are going to come from? Like, how closer do, do you think we're going to get? How much more accurate? Um, I know that football is luck-based, but what would it take, do you think, for us to go to that next level, like, to get that extra little bit of information? Mm. Uh, I think in 20 years of time, I think... One of the things that I find missing still from the models is um, like interconnected point system. So, for example, if I reduce uh, like a player's minutes or like increase Alvarez's minutes, for example, obviously mm. those minutes should come from somewhere. But unless you edit other players, their their XP is not affected. And also, like if and another thing is on top of this, uh, like if I believe that models are kind of like underestimating a team's attack, I should be able to adjust it a little bit. Like I think, let's say like Aston Villa's attack is better than what the models are predicting right now. They are lagging behind. And that should immediately give me an updated projected uh, like point data uh, from all the players. And that's the second thing um, that I think is... Uh, well, upcoming in in future, in near future, probably. So more kind of control to the user because right now everyone is working with the same set of same data, but that mm. doesn't mean that the data is the most accurate thing right now. Like if I know, if I think I know more about the game, I should be able to adjust some minor things manually. Like for example, who is taking the penalty? I should be able to adjust it based on what I think who will take the next penalty from mm-hmm. the model. And also, I think one of the most important things is though, right now we are solving the problem very statically. So this is the data, these are the projections, what's the optimal path? And it's giving you a single, well, you can generate multiple paths, but it's giving you the optimal team and that's all Mm -hmm. you see. But the FBI's nature, as, as you mentioned, is very dynamic. The prices are changing, players are getting injured or getting rotated. So there are actually a bunch of paths that will emerge from your own team like what if one of your defenders get injured what if one of your midfielders get rotated or there there's a price change that you can no longer afford the transfer plan you had in mind so those kind of cases should be solved with stochastic optimization where you are essentially giving probability to a bunch of different paths and you are kind of optimizing the average case right now we are kind of optimizing for the optimistic case which is 
Right. Not usually the best way to tackle fantasy in the first place. But so we are kind of trying to adjust some of these things manually. Like you see a soul and you notice that in the bank amount is zero. You're like, yeah, this plan won't work probably. So that you are kind of trying to adjust it manually. I think there will be a point that we won't need to do that. Model will take care of it automatically. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, so kind of like sensitivity analysis, I guess, for yeah. the, the third one, right? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking as well, like, do you think, um, I'm, I'm presuming alongside all this, uh, XG models, which you're already developing all the time, will just get better and better in general, which will then feed into the models. And, you know, maybe we get a new system <coughs> that, that is better at predicting goals. I suppose that could always happen, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, the XG models we use are pretty... Well, they are getting better, as you mentioned, like stat bombs. XG model is pro- very advanced right now, but they, they keep adding new features to their data. Like mm-hmm. if they can collect the data, they can obviously improve the XG model in the first place. Um, yeah, I think so. I think, but yeah, regarding FPL, I think the more, more problematic part is not, you know, trying to predict who will score the goals. I feel like still the betting markets are doing a somewhat good job of doing, you know, generating those. But I feel like the, the strategy and the planning part of FBL is still needs some, some kind of more work from solver side. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe then a related point, and it's actually more a question than an answer. <laughs> but uh, sort of then also now with the whole trend towards generative AI and, you know, access to chat GPT, I guess, you know, in future people just rely on that also to build their teams and probably i think today i guess it won't work that well because i don't think there is access to all the latest data but if that's if that changes in future then yeah yeah you probably will see a lot of the similar teams coming out of that yeah just want to mention some something on that i mean the obviously chat gpt and other models are language models they're just trying to generate sentences that look coherent but sometimes is missing the point entirely I know mm-hmm. I saw some people who are feeding the data to ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. Like if these are the projected points, who would you pick to your fantasy team if you know the rules about yeah. that? Yeah. So, and then these models are giving an answer, and that's interesting yeah. enough. But the problem is optimization itself is very computationally okay. heavy. So a language model mm-hmm. is probably might be yeah. able to use some of those right now to a very limited extent. And right. you cannot certainly like optimize over eight game week horizon. That's almost impossible. You need to wait mm-hmm. a few minutes until the solver, like ChatGPT, returns to a coherent answer. But maybe in twenty years of time, as you mentioned, like things like um, ChatGPT will be uh, connected to these kind of optimization solvers or other algorithms. Right. Maybe even we will be able to connect our own algorithms to those like models, uh, language models, then you can have a conversation. You can say that, yeah, this is the team I have. Which one, which player should I um, transfer? But again, like optimization is much more analytically, I should say it is a very difficult part of analytics, like lots of computationally, it is computationally heavy. So you cannot really realistically give, like ask, chat gpt and get an answer in a second so that that's certainly not optimal or at least not proven optimal i should say okay well yeah let's see what happens yeah we'll see (laughs) definitely
a lot of development. And before we close the episode, uh, what's next for your podcast, Luke, Inspected Goals, and where can people find your content? Uh, I don't know what I don't know what's next. To be honest, we're just <laughs> going to turn up and see what happens. Um, I don't know. I, I guess maybe if the aim of the podcast is to get better at doing it, that um, we start to branch out and and take more stuff from from models and actually present it in a, in a different way. And maybe, I don't know, maybe one of the podcasters wants to actually start making their own model. That would be really cool. I, I can't see it being me, but um, maybe that would be a nice idea <laughs> that I might drop on someone's doorstep tomorrow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I mentioned where to find us already, but um, if not, it's uh, it's on YouTube, just Inspector Goals mm-hmm. or on Twitter at Inspector Goals. So yeah, like, subscribe, all that stuff, that would be great. Um, yeah, and we try to do it weekly when we can. So um, if you could check it out, that would be awesome. Okay, great. Let's all do that. Um, For this one here today, let me close it. Uh, It was really nice getting to know you better today, Luke. Thanks for joining us on our pod. Uh, Next week, we'll be back with a regular episode as we prepare for game week uh, 13. Uh, As you might have noticed, it doesn't look like it will be an easy game week, that one. So uh, I think we'll have plenty to discuss. And I might also drop in some wildcard-related questions then, as I still have mine. And I have an eye on game week 14 to use it. So let's see if that's a smart thing to do. Uh, We'll also leave our mini-league review for next week. But I can already share that uh, young Wyatt, our nine-year-old leader from last week, managed to keep his number one spot. So, Wyatt, I think you're listening. Uh, I understood you do that every week. So, again, a shout out to you. Really well done. Amazing job. Uh, And we'll talk more about the Mini League uh, next week. But another shout out today I wanted to give is to FPL Mundo. I discovered his pretty amazing website today. Uh, He built a tool that creates automated newsletters for your Mini Leagues. Uh, That's really cool and also a lot of fun. All you need to do is just enter your mini league number and then yeah, watch uh, the magic happen. So I would say give it a try. Uh, you can find it via FPL Mundo. So yeah, that was it for today. This was FPL Optimized Podcast, episode number 66. Thanks for listening. Uh, enjoy the international break. We hope your national team will do well. Unless you support Ireland, I must say, as I'll be at Holland Island again, uh, wearing my orange shirt as I do today. Um, But it's a bit strange. I understood that if Ireland, or actually they need to lose to still have a chance to qualify for the Euros. So that's that's really strange, a team that has to lose. I still didn't figure out how that works. But at least it sounds likely that Holland will win, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, all good for uh, for me and my kids uh, being there at the stadium. In any case, in terms of uh, the podcast, make sure to subscribe, please, so you'll get notified when the next episode is released. And do follow us on Twitter. For Surtop, it's at Surtop below. For me, it's at BelfiBB. And for Luke, it's at DIS underscore FPL. Luke, I still wanted to ask you, why is that uh, your Twitter handle, this FPL? Uh, it's just an old gaming name that I always used when I'm playing Call of Duty and stuff, and it just stuck with me. Well, not the FPL part, obviously, but uh, the first okay. part of it, so it just cool. stuck. Yeah. Good to know. All right. Still a final question that I could drop in. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, yeah, you can also find us on YouTube. And until next time, stay curious and stay analytical. Goodbye. Goodbye.